Blog Talk Radio. All powers to the people, all powers to oppressed people. African power to an African people. It's your brother, Chairman Yanga and Kruma, People's Black Panther Party, coming at you again another Monday. Like always, I'm excited to have the opportunity to come and, um, you know, talk to the family, exchange ideas and share, get some feedbacks and some opinions and all of these things that we do. You know how we do on Mondays. Today's topic, um, I think, is a good one. It's one that's been discussed many times before from not just contemporary revolutionaries, not just the brothers and sisters in this day and time, but we're talking about our predecessors, those that went before us, and that is the need for separation, the need for separation, why it's imperative as us as a people to separate from the current uh, situation that we're in. And I'm going to say situation because this separation goes so much farther than just separating ourselves physically, but separating ourselves psychologically, separating ourselves as far as our health is concerned, as far as our morals and our ethics, complete and total separation from a system, a people, a way that has historically proven not just shown, but it's historically proven that it is not advantageous for African people in America. There's no way in hell you could convince me that our um, integrating, our being amongst them, our spending with them, our emulating them has been healthy and beneficial for the black man and black woman here in America. History bears witness to that. And we're dealing with a fact that I think that what I like to call the guilt complex, to where we have been made to feel so guilty about taking a pride in our ethnicity, in our ethnicity, and in who we are as African people that we run from words like nationalism. And we sure as hell run from words like separation. Some of it is due to the fear and the guilt that is associated with the word, but a lot of times I like to think that One of the reasons that we're afraid of that word is we understand that that word takes work, it takes responsibility, and it takes accountability. See, when you talk about separating, you're talking about um, practicing self-sufficiency and self-determination. And self-determination, kujakalia, as it's called in Nguza Saba, is defined as a people that determine their destiny of people that determine their destiny. And this takes work. It takes thinking. And a lot of us as African people here in America have just submitted so wholeheartedly that we have stopped using our common sense, that we will participate willingly in things that contribute to our own destruction. And this is why there's a need for separation. We're the only people that don't get it. We are the only people that don't get it. I mean, when we, um, like you've heard me say on numerous occasions, when you go into these major cities that have other ethnic enclaves and where they have other groups of people that have separated themselves, you see these people empowered and you see these people that have stores that address the needs and issues that are particular to those certain type of people. Except for the African people in America, you'll find us of people being economically exploited. You'll find us some people that have allowed other businesses to come into our communities and to set up shop and to get wealthy. I mean, get filthy rich off of what I call nigger pennies. 
off of our labor, off of our money, off of our intentional, unintentional, uh, uh, unaccountable spending, you know, our bad, our poor spending habits, and they get rich, and you won't find this in any other um, ethnic enclave. I defy you to find it here. My challenge is to this, to the brothers and sisters that's listening. Go out to these other communities and show me where you find these major corporations or these fast food places that don't belong to that, that ethnic group of people that have segmented themselves or separated themselves from the rest of mainstream society or from uh, Eurocentric America. They don't allow that because it doesn't speak to who they are as a people. There's no benefit to them, and they understand life in those terms. And we as an African people have failed to grasp the reality that it is okay, it is positively all right to do things that empower you to start to build institutions that encourage your advancement, that strengthen you as a people, that make you whole. But we've been so oppressed. We've been, we suffer from, I think scientists call it the Patty Hearst syndrome, when, you know, the white woman, Patty Hearst, that was kidnapped by uh, the Sudanese Liberation Army, those, those militant brothers and sisters kidnapped him, and she robbed the bank, and um, they, you know, these scientists came up and said she had utterly fallen in love with our captors and oppressors, I think they have a whole a system named after that called the Patty Hurston system. For some type of reason, it seems like that us as African people suffer from that. We have fallen in love with our oppressor. I mean, we suffer from nigger amnesia. You know, as much as we like to read and study and to be politically aware and politically astute and so on top of the times and hipster things, it seems that when it comes to the chapters in history and the things in history that bears witnessing and, and, and brings to account uh, these European savagery and barbarity towards us as an African people, we totally overlook it. We totally overlook it. We've become, some of us like to say that we're forgiven. I, in, in my opinion, of course, a lot of it borderlines cowardliness. Cowardliness, and there's no outcry for the atrocities perpetrated against an African people here in America. There's no outcry. There's no cry for accountability and responsibility for the crimes committed against an African people. They say over 11 million Africans were taken off the continent of Africa, depriving, depleting Africa of its most essential resource, and that is its people. That is its crime of robbery, rape, kidnap. Uh, disconnecting of people from their culture, from their bloodline and their blood ties, making mongrels, mutts, because that's what you've been made. That's what you've been made. Whether you like to hear it or not, you've been made into a nigger. You weren't a slave. Your history doesn't start from slavery. You were enslaved as an African, enslaved and made into a nigger, made to accept a nigger way of life. And in this nigger way of life, one of the things that a nigga has to do is a nigga has to be utterly and completely in love with his captor, with his oppressor, with his slave master, and accept the ways willingly of that slave master. And like history is replete with uh, people who, Stockholm Syndrome, people are replete with with the uh, revolutionaries who have rose up against these masters. And when you find these revolutionaries rising up, when you find these liberation 
fighters, these freedom fighters fighting for the freedom of African people, you always have that nigga that has been so thoroughly immersed in the white man's ways that he will speak against that, and you still find that today because you've been cowed down. You've been made to be frightened of this white man, and it's easier to succumb and to submit to the repression or the suppression of white supremacy and the brutality of this beast. You know, you're like the kid that's walking home from school when the bully starts to bully them. And instead of fighting the bully, and even if you have to fight the bully every day, you'd rather give your lunch money or take the long way home. And so the need of separation is not just to appease yourself. We have to get out of this individualism, this Eurocentric thinking, this European way of thinking, this white man's way of thinking of individualism, but think collectively in an African communalist um, um, understanding and so the need for separation, when we separate, it is not only for our immediate gratification, but we look at the protracted struggle. We look at how this will empower our children. Our children have to be taught accountability and responsibility to their own. There's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with that, brothers and sisters. Once we get past this guilt that has been put on us for saying that we're Pan-Africanists, or that we identify with an African identity, or that we're black nationalists, we believe in separation and empowerment of black people here in America, then we can begin that process. We can begin that process of institution building, but we will never build institutions as long as we fight to integrate with a people. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with my people? Through the annals, the annals of history, have there ever been a people that have fought so hard for their oppressor to accept them? We look at the civil rights movement, this integrationist movement, where you had people of African descent, African people begging and crying, sitting in for a white man, for a cracker to accept them. They would even go so far in their insanity as to sit at lunch counters and to go into other establishments, business establishments, and to be beaten and a lot of times brutally beaten to spend their dollar. Listen to what I said. Listen to what I tell you. Brutally beaten to spend their dollar, their hard-earned dollar, their calloused hand to pass his dollar over to someone that doesn't want them. And the white man got tired of bruising his fist against your hard knucklehead self, and Wyden went on and said, okay, let's accept the nigger pennies since they want to be a part of us, and never really accepted you fully. So instead of separation, instead of you having the right to choose and to control your resources and to choose the land in which you live in and to control your education system and to control the things that would influence and affect your life, he segregated you. He chose where you would stay. He chose the prices of, of, of materials and resources in your community. He controls the policing of your community because you've allowed yourself to be segregated and you don't see anything wrong with this. Still, a lot of you in, in a lot of these instances, instead of taking these neighborhoods that are impoverished and run down and, de- and dilapidated, neighborhoods that they don't want, instead of you fixing them up, you still aspire to move away from your people and to move next to them and he doesn't want you. 
I don't know how many ways that this white man has to tell you that you not you are not accepted as one of him. I don't know how many ways he has to, to tell you this. Actually, we have our dear brother, a national minister of uh, culture, on the line. I'm going to open his mic in case he wants to chime in. Our dear brother, Mansa, Sanjata K. to Kamara. Brother Chief, your mic is open. Yeah, peace, bro. I mean, you know, great topic, you know. We talk about the Stockholm Syndrome, and that's when one has been oppressed and uh, was oppressed. And, you know, they, they robbed the bank in, in, in Stockholm, Sweden. And they robbed the bank. They were, was held hostage and put explosives on them for, I think, three or four days. At the, at the end of the ordeal, people defended the the, the ones that um, their tormentors. They defended them, and they couldn't understand it. That's what happened with us as black folk. We, you, we have an innate love for white people. You know, no matter what they do to you, we still keep loving them. You know, I mean, I mean, you love them harder than you love your woman or your children. You know, and and then you keep, well, Chief, keep let me trying. ask you this, brother. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you a question. Let's get your expertise since we have you on the line. And I know that this year our, our national minister is a very astute um, brother. What caused this type of fear? What causes us as African people here in America to fall so in love with our oppressor that we want to emulate them and that we fear separating ourselves and doing for self? I mean, I mean, I guess it's the fact that you know um, they've created a world for the, a world for themselves. Dr. John Henry Clark said, "See, we as African people and and the indigenous people of the world could never fathom a man that you can invite to your house." For dinner, and he would kill the host and rape the cook. Kill, you know, kill, you know, kill you. You you invite him, rape your wife and kill your children. You know, so we can never fathom that. So, you know, we still think we can, you know, make them human, and we still can keep, you know, uh, getting them to love us and, and think we we love them hard. You know, that's Dr. King. Call out mm-hmm. just, you know, keep on marching and praying, like you say, and to have our babies and stuff sick on us to him saying, listen, okay, well, this is why we have to struggle so hard now. You know, a lot of us don't have anything. Our fathers have bought, you know, expensive cars and did all those stuff. We don't have no businesses, no grocery stores. You, you come in a black community, it's occupied by foreign entities. You see what I'm saying? Because of this foolishness of, of integration, Instead of Dr. King, you know what I'm saying? Okay, they don't want us at their lunch counter. We create our own lunch counter. You know, they don't want to stay at their hotel. We got our own hotel. And that, when we were doing that, we were happier and we were, you know, we, we did more for ourselves. Now, you know, you begging to be accepted by a cracker who would never accept you. I don't care how much you pray. I don't care what you do in their eyes. You're a nigga. Like I say, you join the Army, you're a nigga. Marines, you're mm-hmm. a nigga. Got your doctor degree, you just a nigga with a doctor degree. No matter what you do in the eyes of white folks, you know, you you, you know, you, you do a good job. Look at me, master. I did a good job, boss. And you want to pat your bear. There, 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 Sam. Good job, boy. <laughs> you want to be patting mm-hmm. everybody, cracking. And that's not and that's not what it is. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. You know, he say, okay, good, nigga. Okay, you you still a nigga, though. Okay, yeah, you passed the bar exam. You're a lawyer, but you're a nigga. You know, it's my mm-hmm. word. It doesn't matter what the law says; it's what I say. You know, they yeah. put all, set all these rules. You got to do this, and you got to do that. You got to do this, and you got to do that. 
and you do all that and do all that at the end of the day, okay, you did all that, well, you're still a nigger. <laughs> yeah. So that's the world it's created for you, and, and, and we don't have a, uh, you know, we don't understand what's harmful to us. You understand that you are, you understand that um, to stay safe, you don't play in traffic, or you're going to get hit by a car. You know what I'm saying? We need to understand about white folks. You can't play with these crackers. You have to know this is your enemy, and your and your best, you know, offense is separation and staying away from them. That's the best. Uh, that's the best thing you can do. And if you don't understand that, then then you're crazy. We get we get in the, we get in power, and we help enforce white we, we help enforce white supremacy. We become watchdog niggas for white folks. That's and it. We we and, and we watch on white supremacy. Yes, well, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Wait, brother. You touched on over key word. I think that a lot of um, black people, a lot of Africans here in America, are scared to put the proper labels where they belong. And I think that you said something that was so just accurate was dead on. Enemy. We are afraid to say that these white folks are our enemy. And from time mm-hmm. to time again, they have proven that they are hostile to the African here in America. You know, and I know that, and I want you to go into a little bit of that. Some of the solutions for that, and I know one of the biggest things that you're a big advocate of, and I support myself, is changing our name, being an African identity. And why is this, us accepting this African identity, uh, Mansa, Sanjato, why is this so important and one of the first steps in leading to our separation? But one of the reasons why it's important is because, you know, um, one thing that's important is because you have been taught by them. It's not enough to break the grips of white supremacy. I just don't like white folks. So when you envision a world, you envision a world just like white people. You want to put on your Louis Vuitton, but you may, you know, Louis Vuitton outfit. And, you know, you want to go uh, to the bar and to the club like white people. You want to dress like them, wear their names and stuff, you know, sit down and say, you know, in your black world, uh, come on in, Chauncey. Come on in, Jim, and let's have a let's have a shot of cognac. Ho 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 ho. And you sit down and you act white with your smoking jacket on, but you don't want to really learn about Africa because you think you're better than African Africans. You think you're better than that. You think because you've been here with the white man, they can't learn anything. Even those of us who are so called conscious, the Negroes telling us, "Well, we gonna go to Africa and teach them." Lead them where? You ain't led yourself nowhere here, so how are you going to lead them? They're going to say, okay, they have experience, we have experience. Let's, let's amalgamate our experiences together and create a new world that's going to be beneficial to all of our, to all of our people. That we going to want to lead and think that we're actually better than our people from Africa. So, you know, you have to begin to learn the culture, what makes you different than an African, you know? What makes you different? Every, everything is different, you know? You know, if you take if you take anything you do, you're not gonna you're not gonna be right unless you be yourself. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. If, if Joe Frazier won the ring and tried to fight like Muhammad Ali, he'll he, you know he get killed. You know what I'm saying? So you have to fight your fight, and the way you have to fight your fight is coming back to an African consciousness. That means actually embracing. Don't think you know everything, you know, and go back and learn and sit at the feet. Of, of our elders who have who understand that call. I'm not talking about a colonialized Negro, you know what I'm saying, that, that that's, a, that's Christianized and Arabized. I'm talking about someone who really knows our indigenous culture, and you, and you embrace that. As you embrace that, you'll begin to return back 
and you'll think differently, you'll act differently, you'll become a different individual than you are just, you know, just simply just saying, okay, well, I'm a, you know, I'm Mikey, you know, the Negro American, you know, and you're going to think a whole lot differently as you, you know, uh, re-equate yourself back to your African culture, you know? Absolutely. Well, let me play devil's advocate. You know, you'll have those that say, gee, well, you know, Africans don't like us, so we'll go over there. They're worse than the white man. Or, or even the one that I yelled at, where's we going to go? Where's we going to go? What would your response be to the brothers that say, well, you know, the Africans don't like us? As being a person, as being, you know, um, someone who has traveled abroad, who has went to Africa, yeah. has been made, has been named an honorary chief, has had, you know, and I know personally, because I know our national minister of culture personally, that, you know, have a, a intimate relationship with our brothers and sisters from the continent. What would you say, what would your response be to that, our relationship with our brothers and sisters from the continent, and where would we go if, when we're talking about separation? Well, I mean, um, first of all, that's not true. Africans don't like you. You understand the black man in America, what you achieved, you know, the African-American, what you achieved in music, what you achieved in, you know, even 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 Obama, as much as Uncle Tom as he is, you know, you know, people admire you and respect you and love you. You know, people in, in, in Africa loved Obama until you start talking about homosexuals, like people homosexuals and all that stuff, but they love you. If you go over there and you show respect for the culture and just try to act like you and you and you humble yourself, and carry yourself the same, the same way you try to fit in with white people, and you take just 10% of the effort to, to greet your brothers in Africa, man, they, they, they'll fall in love with you. I mean, every, everywhere, I, everywhere I go, when I go, when I go over to the, when, I, when I'm around Nigerians, and I, and I may just say something as simple as that, I, let them know I know their culture. You know, first, they, you know, and they are a little bit, you know, abrasive because they have experienced so much disrespect you know, because I never will forget one time, my uncle and I, we're out at uh, Golden Corral, my uncle, M-A-R and Jai. If you look on my Facebook page, you see a picture of me, and I'm in a a, uh, a maroon African uh, garb. With my, I'm with a, a, a African gentleman and his wife. That's my auntie and uncle. And we at Golden Corral, and we all, it's me, my mother, everybody in African clothes. And so he says, man, y'all look nice. I didn't know y'all even wore clothes over in Africa. So, yeah, they'd be a little bit embracing. When you ask them where they're from, they, they most likely don't want to tell you, you know, where they're from. <laughs> you know, they don't want to tell you. So, but once you show you know something about Africa and just can say one word in Africa, you just go to a, you know, to a, to a, um, to a Nigerian and say, Igwe, oh, they're going to, oh, they just, they just think that they just tickle up and they will really embrace you and they will respect you and love you. You know, and, and so you know, but they don't—they don't hold a key to Africa. You're just as much African as they are. You know, if you have a house, if you have a house, and one of your sons, you know, is gone for a long time, he don't have no—he uh, has just as much right to your house as the children that have been there from day one. That's still your child, and we are the children of Africa. We have just as much right to Africa as much as much. Uh, the right to be there, you know that's our that's our that's our land, that's our people. We are Africans. You just don't know you're African, so you know, that's what I say. You take an effort to get to know people, and I, see, I my 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 idea of separation is not, uh, you know, a bunch of Negroes go over there. We form we, we form the the Black Crenshaw, 
or Compton <laughs> in Africa. <laughs> no, we need to amalgamate with the people and and, and become one with those people. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you go over, you go over there, you go over there. Oh, we gonna go over here and form Compton, and Compton. You know what I'm saying? In the Congo, that ain't gonna work because the people gonna resent that. But you go over there and you get you 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 get taken into the families over there and embrace the people, learn the language. Then it, it will work, you know. But it can't be work where you gonna go over there and be separate, you know, and form you know form the hood over in Africa and, and bring your nigga ways that the white man had taught you over to Africa. That's not gonna work. You know, and they just, and they have been, and they also when you when you when you look at an African, you're not you know it's like look, looking at a lion, and and you know in in the uh, in the zoo, not likening our people to a, a animal, you know what I'm saying? But it's like looking at a lion. When you look at the lion in the zoo, that ain't the real lion, because he's been tamed. He's been, he you know he's he, he's he's dependent on the lion tamer to feed him. Africans have been colonialized. Westernized, you see what I'm saying. Just as much as the just just the job that was done on you in America was done on them in Africa. So they've been Westernized, Christianized, Arabized. Everybody done 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 uh, done came and pulled their pants down and took a number one and number two on Africa. You know, mm. Africa Africa's become the toilet. You know, what I'm saying of the world. You know, and here we yeah. are, the people of humanity. You know, the people of humanity, the most humane people, you know, ever, you know, and we lost our humanity trying to give the cracker humanity. And they don't have, and they, they, sure. they, they, they totally came and destroyed Africa. And so now you got a people that's real colonialized. You, you go over there, you watch the Nigerian movies, you know, I don't, I like the movies where you see the kings and, but even that, the king is more like a, a monarchy, how a European king acts. That's not the way African kings really act, but you get to see some of the culture and with the names. But then, as you watch the newer movies, you just watch a bunch of Nigerians trying to act like niggas. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Over here, so over there with the Chris, Elizabeth, Lillian, <laughs> they have these names. They've been messed up just like you've been messed up. You know, mm. man, and that's and that's the trap. You're listening to um, Liberation, <clears throat> Liberation, Independence. Uh, Blog Talk Radio, People's Black Panther Party. I'm your host, Chairman Yang and Krumah. We have our national, it's an honor and a privilege to have our national minister, coach, Amansa Sanjata Keita Kamar, also the visionary and founder of Sankori African Society. And we're talking about the need for separation. And like always, brothers and sisters, I tell you, this is your radio station. So if you have questions, comments, Opinions you like to come in. I'm sure Chief wouldn't mind asking, answering a few questions and engaging in a dialogue with the brothers and sisters that are listening. Please feel free to press one. We acknowledge you, recognize you, open your mic, and give you an opportunity to share. Um, but let's go back when we, and, and we'll finish the dialogue with, with Mansa Sanjata. So, Chief, so you say, I like one of the points that you hit on is like you said, if us as African people in America took a iota. Of, of of effort and energy that we do in integrating with this white man over here, and tr- and took that and tried to understand and to build relationships and strong ties with our African people, we would really see something. But do you feel like that separation is necessary? What about and there again, I'm playing devil's advocate, brother. What about the brothers and sisters over here that would say, "Hey, man, later for that, I'm American." 
I was raised in America. I grew up in America. I like my hamburger. I like apple pies. I like Chevy trucks. You know, why do I need to separate? Why is it so imperative? Why is it so important for me as an African person or a black person to separate? Right. Well, I mean, just like I said, those of you who have had daughters, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, those of you who have daughters, and your daughter, you know, come to you and say, Daddy, you know, my boyfriend beat me. And I'm like, what? I'm going to go get them. I'm going to kill that nigga. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get up out of there. You know, you're gonna, you, you would advise anybody who's been abused to, you know, um, to, 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 to leave from an abusive situation. You know what I'm saying? So white folks have abused you a thousand, a million times, folks. You've been beat. You've been lynched. You've been raped. You've been sodomized. You've been, you know, you've been hung. You've been, I mean, you've been, you know, they didn't cut this, they didn't cut your fingers off, testicles off, cut black women's breasts off, and they're all kind of atrocity to you, and you still want to remain here with this cool, creepy cracker. You know, so so if you understand that when you're in an abusive, and it's an abusive relationship, it's abusive in every sense of the word. That we abuse our children, are abused in that criminal justice system. You know, you know, we, you know, we are abused because we, we're economically deprived. You know, from really enjoying life. You, you, you're stressed out every day on how you're gonna pay a cracker, how you're gonna, you know, how you're gonna make this bill, pay that bill. Do this. You have no peace in the white man's world. So you know, separation is necessary when something hadn't worked out. It hadn't worked out. You tried. You gave it the good fight. Nobody would advise. No woman who's in an abusive situation to remain in a situation where she's abused. Every 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 day, a husband go outside her head. No one's going to advise her uh, to stay in that situation. So we got we got we got 400 years of slavery. We got Emmett Till, Black Wall Street, Rosewood. We got we we got countless uh, Sandra Bland, uh, you know Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin. I mean the list goes on and on and on. Of what this cracker has done to you, so why would you want to remain in a situation where you're you're abused mentally, economically, socially, spiritually? They abuse you so much that you know that you know they become masters of abuse. Mm. <laughs> you know they, they, they become masters of, of, of abuse by abusing you. You know. Mm. That's right. So they got ten to be black bosses. They got. White folks got tend to be black folks and whooping niggas' asses, whooping black people's ass. Right. Right. And the they got they they, they grandmasters. Right. Yeah. It reminds me of what 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 uh, Malcolm said, brother Omawali said, Omawalamu said when he said uh when uh the Christians are Lord forgive them for they know not what they do. He said they've been doing it for hundreds of years. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. They know exactly the people that they're inflicting on an African people. But, you know, what I'd like to know, though, and I'm sure some of the listeners would like to know, there's a lot of us that haven't been to Africa. And we'd like to know some of them, because some of the imagery that we have of Africa would lead people not to want to separate, not to even want to be around their own kind, let alone Africans, but to be around their own kind. What were some of the differences that you that stood out to you when you went to Africa, when you were in there with a place that were run by us? I mean, it's a beautiful experience. I mean, 
people are very friendly. You know, you, just, you see black all around you. And yes, Africa needs to be, you know, needs to be, you know, developed because, like I say, because with the with the IMF and all the, the colonial influences, you know, Africa has been, you know, when you take a hundred million people and 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 murder them in a the middle passage, that that's the resources, number one resources, the people. So we're recovering from four hundred years of just out, outright just being trampled on. So, you know, it's still a work in progress. But as you were saying earlier, you'll watch these white people go into a neighborhood that used to be the ghetto. You see right in Atlanta where, you know, crime was there because y'all didn't, y'all didn't you know, value yourself. You know, we're nothing. And, and you know, you know you're, you're, you're in, in the hood, in the projects, whatever, and you're wanting to throw dirty diapers all out on the floor and all that stuff. You know, because you don't value what you are. You know, and if you go in a white man's neighborhood and drop a piece of blood going around, pick that up, man. Act like you got some sense, you know. So, you know, and then and then and then now you you ran it down so much, the police start cracking down it. You know, what I'm saying tear the projects down. You know, and now you got you got white folks coming in there building Starbucks and WalMarts and you know Trader Joe's and and and, and, and uh, Whole Foods, and 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 they transform that community into something beautiful. So we got the power, the know-how, to take mm-hmm. Africa and, and make it as beautiful as we need it to be, as we want it to be, mm-hmm. you know. We got well, the one, power of the things that I've noticed, one mm-hmm. of the things that I've noticed by living in Atlanta, and like we're talking about, there again, this is the People's uh, Black Panther Party. We're talking about the need for separation and how real it is. But one of the things I noticed and the difference between separation and segregation. Like I said earlier, separation is when we control our resources, we control the self-determination, we start to build the institutes to counter the institutes of white supremacy and black inferiority uh, teachings and to counter the institutes that push and not only promote white supremacy but push uh, poisons and things in our communities. Living in Atlanta and very close to the West End, one of the things I noticed I was hungry, and I had given up beef, so I don't eat beef. And I wanted something to eat, and there was only trash restaurants in our mm-hmm. community. We were only, mm-hmm. you know, they only put uh, in our communities the lowest of the low, things that are that mm-hmm. are not beneficial, things that offer no edification to the African here in America. And so I realized that we have to control our thing, but. When we, you know, Chief, one of the things I notice is when our African brothers and sisters come over here, that they start to establish and develop their own communities. I live, used to live in Clarkston, where there's a large mm-hmm. Somali and Ethiopian um, population. Why is that? What, mm-hmm. stops, what stops us and them from working together and really creating a black, separate community where we're all, in, in, you know, where it's all inclusive? I know you touched on a little bit earlier the application. Yeah, well, you know, that, that, that's 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 a problem with you know our brothers in Africa. You know, they come, they they, they you know they, they they in love with the white man too. You know, see, and that's one one of the things about us when we go to Africa, we go to Africa because we don't read about Africa. We want to know about. It, we want to get into it. We want, you know, when they come here, they're looking to be just like any other, you know, so-called foreigner that come here, and 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 to vast of, of capitalism. They're not looking to reach out for us to say, you know, this is our brother, our sister, this is 
our long lost brother and sister from, you know, from America. They, they're not looking to do that. You know, they got to be talked to as well. They got to be talked to and, and they have to have the understanding, you know, of, of what, you know, a Pan-Africa agenda is like, you know, or bringing us together in nation, black nation building, African nation building. They don't have that, that idea. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, they're very, very Christianized, Westernized, or they're Arabized. You know, if they if they if they Christianized, they want Jesus got all the answers. If they Muslim, they want you know they think Prophet Muhammad and the Quran got all the answers to our problems. And the Bible mm-hmm. nor Quran is going to address the issues of the black man. No, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no dead Jesus, two thousand years ago. It's going to answer any question that's going to help you. He can't do a goddamn thing for you. So he might as well hang his white ass up on that cross and just <laughs> die again because he ain't going to do nothing. I'm telling you, if you're looking for a white, if you're looking for a, a, a Muhammad, you're looking for Muhammad, no disrespect. You, yeah. You're looking for Muhammad to come back from 1,400 years ago and do something for you. He can't do anything. He right. can't do anything. If they were to come back and and, and, and you know, they were dealing with they were dealing with the you know the, the various tribes and stuff. Who back then, man, Muhammad would run back to uh, to Medina and Mecca. He didn't want to deal with this cracker and what we dealing with. So you know, you can't mm-hmm. look at you have to have a black man has to understand. I'm not saying you can't take those things and enhance your life because of course there's wisdom in Quran, there's wisdom in Bible, but you are living your life today and you got to understand what it takes. And that's what that's the problem. They either real Arabized. A, a real, you know, a, a real uh, Christianized Western, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. If it ain't, if, well, if it ain't Chris and, and and Michael, then it's, it's you know Abdullah and, and Omar and Usman. Them brothers, they 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 so Arabized. They don't understand. We gotta have a black Pan African nationalist agenda, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. We get so fearful, and and you know. Um, one of the things, let's talk about these so-called uh, black organizations, so-called progressive black organizations, you know, and how we've gotten into, in my opinion, of course, man, to reactionary tactics where we're always coming after the fact and not building, yeah. like I said before, institutions to counter the institutions that promote white supremacy and black inferiority. You know what I'm saying? What 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 type of... If you think in, in starting your thing, if you had to start something off in a very first footstep, what would be one of the first institutions that you would start to develop to start to counter this uh, society, the 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 ways of this uh, oppressive and exploitive society? Well, I think what you have to establish is uh, um, the schools. I mean, the little, ba- the little babies need to be educated. As well as the mama and daddy and the grandmama and the great grandmama, you know, because because the, the great grandmama is just as ignorant as the little babies are. If she ain't got the African centered education, think you got to have you got to have uh, you know courses of African philosophy that teach us about being African. We have to have elders that actually become elders and counsel the young people. That that's the first thing I think set up. And then once we set that up, then we got to, you know, we got to start formulating an economic plan. You know, get Habib out your community. Habib must go. Yes. You know, them Arabs, get, they, we got to go. Uh, uh, Habib, poo-poo, 
You got to go. Poo poo got to yeah. go. We got to kick poo poo and her babe's ass about our community. So we yeah. not don't spend no more money with them and say if they got to we need to own and control those stores. You know? That's what we yeah. need to do. Yeah. We need to own and control our you know, the stores, the laundry mats, the whatever way you look, poo poo's in your community. Poo poo got all the damn Dunkin' Donuts. Everywhere you got mm-hmm. Dunkin' Donuts on that community, poo poo owns it. Poo poo owns all the gas stations. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. No, we don't. Kim, huh? Go ahead, brother. I said, Miss Kim, Miss Kim, Kim and, 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 and the Vietnam, you know, the Viet Cong, they got all the goddamn nail shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost Vietnam, but goddamn, they won the nail war. <laughs> <laughs> they won the nail shop in the. In the, in the, in yeah, Lord, I don't know. Man, they got the Viet, the Viet Cong and the Koreans over here. The Koreans got all the beauty supplies. All you sisters getting yeah. y'all weed and y'all cocoa butter and all the things you get, you're getting it from the Koreans. You know, they, you got you to you get them out of your community. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, if, let's, let's talk about the current uh, administration because I think now, we're starting to see a, a resurgence of white nationalism. We're starting to see white pride uh-huh. begin to take uh-huh. rise and come up again. And I know that that's going to have to be combated. And in a lot of instances, we see that the programs, the so-called social programs, are starting to be cut or they have um, bills that they're proposing to cut the social programs. You know what I'm saying? So uh-huh. what do you say about this uh, current administration and the direction that it's going with its policy, policies and legislation? Well, I think I think I think uh, you know it's good for us as black people because Donald Trump is a super cracker. You know, he's the he's a super cracker. <laughs> oh, so he get he got a, little a cake. super cracker. He got a cake. <laughs> Does he have a cake? Yeah, he's a with? super cracker. He just he he's <laughs> the, he's the epitome of white supremacy. So it's good for you to see it because what Obama did was lullabied you to sleep. He he appeared. He came out. Yeah, hey, I'm black. You know, oh wow, look at me. I'm a Negro, and then. But all along, he's doing the bidding of white supremacy with a smile on his face and just being real cool. See, it's all the same agenda. You know, they just, Obama Obama was not, and he was selected for a purpose because they, you know, with eight years of the Bush administration, you know, wow. people really get angry, angry with, with things, and it's going to end up being an outright, you know, another World War Three or something because they were tired of, you know, because Bush represented white supremacy. So he brought Obama in to give you eight years of that, and what that did is galvanize white folks, you know, and galvanize mm-hmm. the white man. Mm-hmm. And galvanize, and so now they now they out there saying, "Look out, nigger, the Klan's getting bigger," and 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 Donald Trump is the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, you know, and the mm-hmm. white folks. Yeah. So that yeah. that what that does just it just makes you understand we got to either either we got to Work together, or we gonna perish as fools. Yeah. You know, you don't you, you don't have a choice. It ain't what you want to do; it's what you gotta do. You know. That's absolutely right. That's yeah. absolutely right. And that's and 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 that answer is like I said there again is gonna lie. I separated. You know, and to go back to reiterate what Chief was saying, and <clears throat> which I wholeheartedly believe in that that's going to start with a psychological separation from this white man. 
from Eurocentric mm-hmm. thinking, from European behavior, from European uh, 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 morals and ethics. We cannot emulate this white man. And that the word right. separation is not a profane word. It is not a curse word. It's not a bad word. It's not something uh-huh. that you're going to burn in hell for my religious brothers and sisters out there. It's not something you're going to burn in hell for saying or for advocating. When we turn around uh-huh. and look at uh, in these major cities, there again, uh, uh, to reiterate that point, when we look in these major cities, we see separation practiced by every ethnicity of people. We see it with the Italian little Italy's and little Chinatowns, and we see it with all of these people, and for whatever reason it is, we remain afraid to practice this separation. But this has been a long, this has been a philosophy of all, this has been a key philosophy of all uh, so-called progressive black organizations from almost time immemorable. When you look at even, it goes back to slavery. When they started to enslave us, you had those brothers and sisters that would escape and start the maroon villages. Stood that it was going to take complete and total separation to um, to succeed. But you know, the question remains, Chief, and this is not to put you on the spot. In that separation, how would we govern ourselves? What would be some of the ways? What would make our society, our separating from white, you know, from Eurocentric uh, society, what would make us different? I mean, you know, we got we got to take our best and brightest, and you know, and our, our best, our most articulate, and those who understand history and put together a society that was based on our African tradition and ways, as well as the things we've learned from our mistakes. You know, because Africa made mistakes. You know, we didn't make mistakes. There's no way, you know, a weak, you know, pale thing could come in there. And you know, destroy you the way he destroyed you. So we have to learn and amalgamate, you know, a, a modern thought with an ancient thought, and bring it together for a perfect thought. And that's how we can govern ourselves. You know, the modern th- right. the modern thought, the good things about modern things we learned from our so-called modernization, and you know, the strides we've made in technology. We have to amalgamate that, make that with our ancient. So, you know, four ways, more ways and norms, and, and, and we bring them together, and we form a perfect, you know, a perfect union of merging, you know, the, the past, the present, and the future together, you know, so we have a perfect society, you know, and, and you know, and, and build a perfect society. But we have to, you know, understand that, that we can't continue to remain here under these conditions. We're white, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can't keep being a watchdog nigga for white folks. Yeah. That's we out. Yeah. We, we got, you know, how can a black district attorney lock his own people up? How could you as a black cop walk around, you know, oh, you were speeding, you know, giving your black brother a ticket, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, to help pay into a system of white supremacy. You know, we got to stop that. You know, we got to start, you know, really. Uh, feeling the need to really help white each other, mm-hmm. help each other. We got to mm-hmm. feel like there's a need for that. Huh? Well, where, where did the disconnect come in? Where did and we see it growing larger and larger as time progresses. I know that you know um, we look at even 
from, you know, the uh, uh, time of slavery and Jim Crow segregation and things of that nature, we still had some semblance of community. Nowadays, like they said, it takes a, a village to raise a child, and I can remember coming up, and I'm only 44, and I can remember coming up that if you did so, Miss Johnson would chastise you. And after Miss Johnson got finished chastising, you better pray that she didn't beat you to your house or make a phone call before you got there because you might get your ass whooped again. You know what I'm saying? And get on again. But now when you try to chastise the young people, you got their mamas coming out or their daddies coming out telling you don't say nothing to their children. When did the disconnect and the divide from communalism and from that, that, that shared sense of responsibility and obligation to one another come in? And what caused it? Yeah, I, I, I think I think I think uh, integration, I think had a lot to do with that because we run out there, you know, getting these new ideas from white people and all this stuff, and uh, you know, you can go move, you can go move in a white neighborhood, you don't value your neighborhood as much, you know, you know. So like you say, you you always see on TV is emphasized, you can make it. You're a good basketball player, you know. Your main job is to get your mom and your people out of the ghetto, and buy her a house and. That's that's the that's what's talking about it. Get out of there, Johnny. <laughs> so little Johnny, little Johnny don't wanna don't wanna live in the hood. Little Johnny wanna go live out in white folks. He want little Johnny wanna li- live leave Africanville USA and go uh, to Hunkyville USA. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know so what I'm saying? Yeah, singing singing this so song. Man, yeah. So being so, I, so being with our people is equated to lack of success, to impoverishment. You're saying you're saying that um, success it means leaving where you came from, separating right. yourself. The only separation we want to practice is separating from other Africans. Right. You know, in, in, in the plantation days, you know, when when the old master, you know, would find a, a, a you know a Negro, a uh, little Negro child, and he. He liked the first thing he would do is separate him from his parents. If they don't want, they want you down in the, in the slave quarters, you know, mixed with them other, you know, with other Negroes, and you got too many nigger ways. Now the master would bring you up in his, you know, his house, and you would get get good diction, and you would speak differently in how to how to feel slave speaking. So you know that's part of the problem. So you know they want to separate you from your people, and you think you know you want to be out there with white people, you know. Thinking you talking proper. You know, watch those of us who are around white folks. You got mannerisms like white people. You 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 know you you uh you talk like them. You know you dress like them. You know you you become just like your slave master. You become just like them. Mm. So just and like that- your slave master. Look, look, you know, like any time they had it happened in the, back in the slave day, when the master mayor, you know, snuck down in the slave quarters and, and got, you know, got 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 one of the girls pregnant. Well, he wanted to bring up in the house. That he didn't want to. He didn't want the little child down in the slave quarters. You know, he had to. He wanted to raise up in the big house with the master, so she can get good diction, or good. Or he can get good diction and be a good, well-trained Negro. And that's what these Negroes that show leaders are, you know. Jesse Jackson is a well-trained Negro. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Mm. He's a well-trained yeah. Negro. He's a well-trained Negro. Al Sharpton is a well-trained Negro. You know, he, he, he's acceptable. 
all the mother Negroes, you know, that, that they found acceptable at the time, E.B. Dubois and A. Philip Randolph, they were the good, well-trained Negroes, you know, even 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 our brother Booker T., you know, they they were well-trained and, and did what white folks wanted them to do, you know. Can you they imagine? They select your leaders for you. Uh-huh. And, and 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 I'm just and I'm imagining how horrid and brutal the abuse must have been, whether that's physical or psychological, to make a people divorce themselves from one another. I mean, you you I mean, just to imagine that to where you absolutely can't stand yourself to the extent that you want to get away from your own kind has to be some devilment. On a whole nother level, you know. Oh, yeah. It has to be government on a whole nother level. Listen, oh, let's, that, that, yeah. let's go to the let's go to the phone lines. You're listening to Independent Black Talk Radio, the People's Black Panther Party. I'm your host, Chairman Yanga and Krumah. We have our um, uh, National Minister of Culture, Mantis Sanjata Keita Kamara, also founder and visionary for San Jose African Society. Share some of his thoughts, opinions, comment, very in depth. Conversation going on for the need to separate, to the need for separation. Let's go to our phone line. Uh, let me open it up. And I believe this is, uh-oh, here we go. Area code 619, I believe this is our national chief of staff, Brother Wolf. Black Power, can you hear me? Black Power, I can hear you, brother. Okay, I was just going to um, chime in a little bit on what our minister culture is saying. The Yes, sir. It's, uh, one of the terminologies used to identify the problem we're dealing with is, 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 is privilege. It's called privileged identity, and basically what that is stating is that as a result of being treated differently, like how he referred to back during the slave times, where they would put separate and create the house nigger. In a modern day and time, when, when our people are assimil- assimilated, what happens is our a, a person uh, is, is raised up with a whole different et- style of etiquette. Which de- which defines your culture. So, like how you was talking about how our the village doesn't raise a child no more. The, the, the thing about it is that, let's just put it in perspective. If my son, you know, did bad in school and, and I'm in a, uh, a, a simulated society and he get go to go to walking up the street and this white family over here says, "I heard you did, did bad in school," and they go to and they go to put their hand on my child, I'm gonna have an issue. And the same if a white child walked by me, and I come and I tell him I heard you did bad in school, and I discipline him. All from the same standpoint as if we're talking about an upper class uh, 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 neighborhood, so to speak, or just a mixed neighborhood in general, because you're dealing with different types of cultural and, and, and religious views. All of that stuff comes into play in terms of why we're no longer involved in, as, as or, or have a communalism lifestyle anymore. As a result of, 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 you know, segregation, which basically turned into assimilation for our people, our lifestyles have changed. I, I identify, what we identify with as being successful has changed because no longer do we define success as being able to be self-sufficient as a people. Success basically means how much shit can I acquire and who can I live next door to. That's how people define success now. And so when success is defined in that fashion and when everything is based around a capitalist mentality of, of, of ownership and, and acquire, then the dynamics of our culture changes in terms of the uplift, upbringing of, of the children. And so we don't 
hold uh, each other accountable in the neighborhood no more because those type of neighborhoods don't don't exist because of the mm-hmm. different dynamics and what we go through now dealing with racism, class struggle, you know, and and and, and just dealing with the fact that there is no quote unquote black community. There's 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 hoods there's there's black hoods where we are con- consolidated in an area which is typically based upon low income. It's not that we have planned black communities no more, which when you're dealing with segregation, that's what it was. White folks said, you can't be here, you can't stay next door to me, so they planned black to, to isolate and, and cause black folks to have to live and congregate together. That's a planned community, whether it's through force or through willingness. We had black planned community, and we had to do everything for ourselves. So that's a planned community. We don't build planned communities now in terms of black people. So I, I, I coming together is a result of, hey, this is where we get low-income housing. This is what Section 8 is. And those mm. types are not the type of things that, that create and build a, a unified system, especially a communal system, where everyone will be accountable for one another's actions and we will be uplifting each other. So that's what happened, and the brother's absolutely right. A simulation. That's what happened. Mm. But a lot of us, you know, a lot of us not involved in, in, in any type of um, grassroots struggle don't look at it for that. We basically, you know, again, get uh, caught up into the classes and struggle and chasing that, that carrot on that stick. And as long as you, uh, a person is tunnel vision and chasing that carrot on that stick, it's not about the community. It's about my family, my, my immediate family, and what I need to provide for them. And so from that standpoint, I'm not going to even be concerned about, you know, the next-door neighbor's child, children, or, 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 or you know, uh, Joe up the street. I'm not going to even be concerned. That, that, that's the farthest thing from my mind. And then with social media being what it is today, we separate ourselves anyway from our neighbors because if we got any opinions or we got anything we want to say or put out, we're going to throw it out on social media instead of actually teach and reach each other on a, lo- on a uh, social, local level. That's pretty much so, it, bro. I just wanted to add to that. Let me ask, yeah, let me ask you this, Chief, before you go, because, I mean, you know, you would think that we are a, a people without common sense. Haven't we seen that individualism, that, this, that, um, the, that there is only a 1% and that a very select few of us can escape through a capitalist system to reach anything that we would consider success? What is it that's keeping us from saying, hey, you know what? Not all of us are going to make it. Not all of us can dribble a, uh, a ball. I got a wicked jump shot. I got some dope ass rhymes to make. What is the what is the the hindrance? What is the obstacle for us coming together? You would think that it would be common sense to say, you know what, we have come out better sticking together. What are some of the things that hinder us from coming together? Well, I, I tell you what hinders. What hinders us is the difference between the mentality of being domesticated versus being a liberated uh, liberated being. Well, liberated being doesn't take. Uh, self-sufficiency for granted. They expect it. They know no other way of life. But when you're dealing with a domesticated mindset, a domesticated mind, it is completely overwhelming to even consider the possibility, the utmost possibility of, of establishing, again, a planned community or a planned environment or, or an infrastructure that's designed for me and by me. So Damn. even though our people can see 
the uh, whole concept, like I say, when we're dealing with the carrot on the stick, that's a hell of a lot more reachable and attainable to them than it is trying to start from scratch, so to speak, because that's how they view it. They view it as starting from scratch, which in essence that's not what it is, but that's the way it's viewed. And, and again, it's just being domesticated. It's, it's a hell of a lot. It's, it's overwhelming and it's a paradox to the average person when they think about what it takes or, or, or even going down a path of trying to do for self and being liberated. Because, again, we suffer from it physically, mentally, and spiritually. Wow. So I'm right. So really, and, and this is both, and, and Chief, you can get into Chief Sunday, Master Sunday, and also I'm going to leave you up with the mic open, Chief Boy, to get in it. So basically when we find these, um, like Master Sanjata was talking about these um, Negroes that with, with we affectionately call, I'm not going to say affectionately, but we're commonly called sellouts or Uncle Toms. They're fighting since they can't grasp the understanding of liberation and independence or can't possibly conceive us doing for self. Then their fight is a fight for survival from the sincerest uh, depths of their heart. Is, is, is that what I'm understanding, that they're fighting for the only life that they know to be successful. Yeah, you know, they they want to be they they, they want to be accepted by the oppressor. They you know, they complain, they want to be included, you know, in this society. They just want master to respect them. You know, they 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 you know, and this is what, you know, you've had uh in you know, our existence in America. You know, it was our Negro leaders that told us to go out and fight, you know, in a revolutionary war. So we had dummies like Chris, Christopher Axe, whatever his name is. He went out there and was the first dumb Negro to die, you know what I'm saying, for a white society that didn't include him. So we included to be in a revolutionary war on both sides. A lot of us fought for the British, you know, and they and they, and they, they just did us really dirty. And some of us fought for the... Uh, you know, for you know, for the uh, for America, you know, uh, it fought for them. So we were urged to fight in the wars. When, when in the Civil War, we urged, you know, we had our leaders to urge us to go out and fight. Frederick Douglass urged us to go out and fight. You know, same thing with the you know all other wars to show white folks that we were to fight for our country. It's a a a, a show on called Mutiny, uh, and it talked about how you know, I just wanted to fight. You know. For you know, for the you know, for America to show the white man they can fight, you know, for their country, which is never your country. So that we always want to be included and to show white folks what good Negroes we could be, and that we love them, you know. And that's the problem. You want to be, you want to love them, and here's the people who are who who are incapable of loving you. They it ain't in it ain't in the white man's nature to love you. His nature is to put his foot. Up your black ass. That's what that's what that's what that's what he's designed to do, and that's what he's gonna do. So you, you know, you're a damn fool if you're looking for a cracker to love you. I'm looking for a cracker to collar you. He ain't gonna collar you. He's gonna kill you. You know. Chief mm-hmm. War, you want to? Yeah, let me let me add to that. Let me add to that. Uh, I look at it from the standpoint of, of again from the psychological and, and the spiritual destruction that was placed on our people. And from that standpoint, again, if, if the only way of life that we think we know because we've been stripped of what we were, is all we know is to obey and all we know is to, to, to not go against the grain but to, to, to deal with, again, 
that hope and that position or that, that, that possibility of doing, doing or, or achieving something by challenging or going with the system, then that's what we'll do. So a, another example of that would be this. If you take the media now and you take how religion is thrown at us and how everything is processed at us, even like, for instance, the lottery, our people are constantly bombarded with images of things that have to do with people that, will, that are actually escaping or making a better way. So if I'm bombarded day in and day out with that image of that one example or that one, or that one escape, escape person who happens to be rich or happens to get up an opportunity, and that, again, becomes the status quo to me because that's what I get exposed to, even though it's one or two people. If I get exposed to that all the time in terms of every, every, every turn I make, this is what's getting promoted out there and pushed it on to me, then my subconscious mind looks at that as the, the role model. My subconscious mind thinks that, well, this must be the way. Even though in re, uh, reality, or uh, should I say uh, the facts are that it's not the way. But, my, again, I, that's why I have to change the words and I say not reality because reality is what, you're, what, what, you're, what, what your mind is taught to believe in terms of process. So that process that, that my mind is bombarded with day in and day out is that example. And that example is the few, the, the, the very small percent. Or I would even go as far as the black community and say the bourgeoisie and the, the gatekeeper class. So that's what's being promoted, and that's being promoted to us all the time in, our, in the music industry, all the time in entertainment, and all the time on television. Through all forms of media, that is what's promoted. So subconsciously, this is what I know, because I don't see the other side. I don't see me being self-liberated. That's not being promoted, and it's not going to be promoted by those that whose goal is to keep all minds oppressed, except those, those, those small few people. So the thing is, is and, and that's been played upon us all the way back, you know, going back from Willie Lynch on forward, conquer and divide. So when you conquer and divide, we have to understand that being conquered and divide happens in three, and, and, and I refer to it as a trifactor, mentally, physically, and spiritually. We're conquered and divide as a whole being. So our entire being has been stripped down from its essence. And so when you do that to a being, then I'm going to approach everything from a domesticated perspective. And by doing that, I am led to believe logically and through my reality is that the best way to go about it is to play that lottery. The best way to go about it is to look at that basketball player, that hip-hop artist who promotes nothing but negativity, but I don't see it that way, as being the way to make it. And that's what happens. So, so, uh, psychologically, they got us in change, and then we maintain being in change and bondage because our minds are not liberated. Our spirituality has been stripped from, from us. And they keep us in prison physically in terms of the, the way the law is. Uh, the laws are applied across the board because they're not applied fairly. They're applied, you know, uh, more so on black, black and brown people. So all these things work against us and continually have worked against us and will continue to work against us until we do for self and have our own, period. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But so, you know, but here's my question. How did they get to race being such a big part of what this this system, this, this country was based on, the exploitation, the oppression, the enslavement, 
of an African people, the genocide of a Native American people or the red man or, you know, whatever um, uh, description that they're giving them. How, how is it that these other nationalities or ethnicities understand and have an affinity to their race and we have been totally divorced from, from, from ours? Well, we don't even have this. Well, we don't even see it. I mean, how can you, can you really go about not seeing it or is it just an act? That we're, that, we're, that we have with these Uncle Tom and these sellouts and these, these uh, assimilationists and integration. Do they really not see race, or is it really some psychological blindness there? Let's start with you, uh, uh, Chief Wall, because, you, you know, you were on the road. Let's, let's, let's start with you to answer that. Well, I think it, we basically have answered that question already. I believe that, and also I look at it from the standpoint of we have to understand some of the people that we're calling black leaders, I've been placed there strategically. So uh, from a perspective of, of warfare, they have identified and propped up certain types of people who don't have the ability to actually liberate our people, but yet they are made men, so to speak. So when you make a man and you make a messiah for us as a result of what they want to do to keep us down, and we don't know any better because we follow this person who has been given all kinds of resources, to, to, to lead the people blindly, then uh, then we follow again. We go down that path, not knowing that it was all part of the plan. And then you also got those awkward times who have no earthly idea because again things have been handed to them, or they escape through the cracks. And then they're they're they're, they're constantly flooded by these, the the concept that hey man, the way you can do it, anybody can do it. That the feds lie that capitalism can work for everybody, and they buy into it. A lot of times people buy into their success. So when you buy into a, a certain level of success, and it, it goes back to what I said about that identity situation, when you buy into that level of success, you slowly but surely, if it, if it wasn't a generational thing, you slowly but surely trick yourself and rationalize yourself into believing, well, you know what? Anybody can do what I just did. It's, all, it's possible, you know, and, and, and you start buying that and you start believing that. And from that standpoint, you may just promote, uh, you know, education, or you just may promote the fact that this, this, this country and any country can get us where we need to be if we just work within the system. So, again, that's somebody speaking from the perspective of being domesticated. And when you, do, when you speak from that perspective, and that's all people know and that's all they can relate to, then, it, you know, those of us that are not in that mode and we can see past that, a lot of times it's hard for us to go the phantom that it's really that much of a distinction between those that I've lived, that I've liberated their minds and those that I've not. But honestly, that's what it is. When you've been raised up a certain way or you come to a certain level of enlightenment, a lot of times it's hard to relate back to why can't everybody else be this way or think this way. But it, that really is just the case. They don't. Wow. Mr. Sanjata, did you want to add to that? Yeah, you know, what well, he's well, he saying exactly right. You know, they, they have pick your leaders for you or who, who's going to, you know, tell you to go out and vote. But if you look at the, the you know, the what they're doing, you know, the, the vote, when you get these Negroes in office, like in Atlanta, all of the black officials, you know, go to the jails that are ran, you know, by – black sheriffs to see if there's any difference in what he's doing and the white sheriff was doing. 
You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the same agenda. But they keep telling you vote. You know how important it is for you to vote, but yet our condition don't get you know get changed because the Negroes they want the Negroes that they want you support. You know what I'm saying? Are hand picking and selected for you. Obama is a good Negro. He ain't gonna he ain't gonna rock the boat. He ain't gonna, he ain't gonna bucket massa. He's gonna you know he's gonna be good suffering and you know saying kumbaya. He's a good Negro. He's never he's mm-hmm. never challenged white supremacy at all. He's a good Negro for uh, as, as good a Negro he as he was. White folks still didn't uh, didn't like him. You know what I'm saying? So you know uh, they pick your leaders for you. They pick your preachers that are non-threatening, who ain't gonna do anything. Even even Farrakhan, you know Farrakhan ain't gonna do nothing but run his mouth. You know he ain't really gonna do anything. When they told him to take that money, he didn't take it. They know he really ain't gonna do anything except sell wolf tickets. So they mm-hmm. not worry about that. But the ones that they really felt a threat was like Marcus Garvey. When they think you're a threat, they're gonna get you out of here. They had to get Mr. Garvey out of because they knew Mr. Garvey's plan would have liberated black people. They knew Marcus Garvey was on something. You see, Malcolm X started talking about any means necessary and, and, and taking the fight physical, you know, then they had to get Malcolm X out. So, you know, they handpick your leaders for you, and, and they're going to assassinate any leader who really wants to get you out of this condition because they have to, in order for white society to thrive, you must be a part of it to fuel the economy and, and, and do what they do. So they, 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 don't want, they, they want to kill you while you're here, and they, like they don't want you but let you go. They, they, they get upset. They don't want you to go. They don't want you to stay. They just want to kill you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the things is, is, and I think one of the biggest tricks, I was watching something, it was the devil's advocate, and he said that one of the biggest tricks of the devil um, was to get you to think that he didn't exist. And I think that this system, one of the biggest tricks of this system is that we don't call it a white supremacist system anymore. We just call it the system. It doesn't understand how it goes to foster and promote, and their institutions go to foster and promote and to sustain white supremacy and black inferiority. But what I'm hearing here um, from you brothers is that they have created a new African, a whole new African mindset here in America. You know, the African mindset that doesn't believe in an African communalism, that doesn't believe in pulling together, but that believes in, uh, that accepts a Eurocentric value, a European value of, of rugged individualism. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You can do it by yourself. But and, and Chief, you were saying something, and you know you and I sometimes differ politely, you know, of course, or respectfully, on the um, political process. But do you think, and, and this is open to you also, National Chief of Staff War, do you think, do you believe in people power that, I, I heard both of you brothers say that they pick our leadership, but do you believe in people power that we can pick our leadership and that we can control, like Brother Malcolm said about black nationalism politically is when you control the politics and the politicians in your community or in a community that is the majority is predominantly African or the people that look like you. Do you believe in a people power that we can, uh, especially in local politics, start to control some of um, the things that happen to us and affect us in that way? And we'll start with you, uh, Master Sanjata. Yeah, if the people are educated. You know, Malcolm X should say, you can't ask a black man what he wants because he don't know what he wants. You don't know who you are, then you know 
then, then you really don't know what direction to go in. If the people are properly educated and know, you know, what it's going to take to get out of this condition, you know, then, then yes, that can be done. But you don't know where you, who you are and where you're going, and, and you're okay with the white man just giving you a, a, piece, of, uh, a piece of chicken and a buttermilk biscuit, you know, and, and a glass of Kool-Aid, you're okay with that. That's going to make you why, good sense. Look why why I got to be sticking to Kool-Aid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that's what Nemo was like, you know. Master say, okay, uh, come on, Tom, sit on down. I got your uh, buttermilk biscuit and your piece of chicken for you, you know, and, and you happy. It's a Kool-Aid, and you happy with, and you happy with that. Oh, Master done gave me, man, Master done gave me the red Kool-Aid, man. And you happy because you got red Kool-Aid, right. a buttermilk biscuit, and a piece of chicken, you know. And, 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 what, yeah. yeah, you have to. What about you, Ward? What is the, the the same question? Okay, I'm I'm a, I'm gonna say it like this, and I'm gonna go back to understanding concepts of warfare and being domesticated. I guarantee you, you can take pretty much any animal, man included, obviously any animal, and you strip it from its environment and you feed it plenty, feed it. Day in, day out, provided water, provided nutrients, provided everything it needs to, to survive, and you do that for a period of years and years on end, and you don't expose it to what it once had, and let, and you make sure it has no rem, uh, uh, remnants or, or, or anything that can associate it to once it, what it had prior to you enslaving it, prior to you putting it in that position where everything was given to it, and you do that for a certain amount of time. That's animal will become domesticated and a product of being domesticated is expecting everything to be handed to you because you're used to everything handed to you. And therefore, it will breed a laziness in terms of your physical, mental, and spiritual being. And that is a concept of warfare, period. Is that you would take some something, a, a, a person or animal or whatever from its environment and redefine it itself. Redefine it and make it what you want it to be. And you expose it to your way. I would even go as far as to say it ain't just so much being European. It's just the fact that the Europeans were the ones at this point in time that created and and, and, and maximized that concept of war. But spoils of war has always been to destroy the history of those who you're conquering and redefine them and make them your slaves and, and domesticate them and put them in your army. So just like he was talking about by Chris Atkins, remember that 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 went on for you know going back centuries, centuries, and thousands of years. When you enslave a people, you take those same people and you put them in your army and you get them to fight for you. And it ain't just the Europeans that did that. When people conquer people, that's what they do. The problem is mm-hmm. we have to go 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 back to looking at history and African after Africa Africa was empowered. And, and was the might of the of the world for thousands and thousands of years. And European control has only been hundreds of years. So we got to understand also, look at things for what they are. There is, a, there is going to be a shift in paradigm. I believe so. The whole reason I'm a Black Panther Party, a, a, in the Black Panther Party, is because I do believe our people have the ability to uprise and come up and put themselves back in a position of power. But going back to what yeah. I... I the culture said it will take obviously take education, and that's why at when the People's Black Panther Party, 
one of our primary focuses are, is leadership. Everybody must be a leader. Everybody must critically think, and everybody must go back to being in control of their own mind and their own way of life. We have to practice and live that every day, all day. And if we do that and we do it by example and we get more and more people in that mode set, then maybe we can break, we do our part to break the cycle. But my thing is I look at, I'm looking at it from the longevity aspect. Our people have been in power for thousands of years before we were touched, before the power was stripped from us. And I think the way it was in the beginning, it shall be in the end. I think we will return back to our level of greatness. And what we're dealing with right now is just a change, a change of power. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what that exactly. means, though. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Master. No, no I'm saying what he's saying is right. In education, that don't mean you going to Harvard and getting your degree from your slave master because your slave, a man that will not treat you right, show us how he ain't gonna teach you right. That he's been your educator. He's educated you to be, you know, like uh, Dead Prez got that song by school. You know, don't how don't teach yeah. you nothing. And, be with good slaves and hard workers for white people, you know, get you a job, you know, fit in, you know, and not really do mm-hmm. anything. You got all these Negroes with doctor degrees, but you have not, you know, solved the economic problem, you know, and and and, and we make things, and white folks make things so much more difficult than what they really are. The body only moves three ways. The body can bend, stretch, and twist. White white folks make things really difficult and complex because they, they're, you know, they're tricky a, a tricky, crafty. They make things real, real, real. You know, real uh, complex when it's when it's simplistic. You know, life is not as difficult as they make it seem to be. So, you know, like I said, body moves three ways: bend, stretch, and twist. Alphabet's made up of two uh, shapes: a line and circle. They sit there and take you and make all these. So you got 26 letters of the alphabet and all this stuff. They have stupid, you know, you know, stupidity because they want to trick you. You know, like you you have you have a word like salmon. Well, it's not it's not it's not salmon because the L is silent. That's the stupidest shit in the world. So they want to be, they, they tricky. Why is it why is it silent? But it's there. What is the purpose of that? Because they want to, they they just want to make they just want to do what they want to do, and and change the rules as they go along. It's a real crafty devil you're dealing with. So you know you have to get well, the right kind of education. The right yeah. kind of education. And here's my question. Here's my question, because, you know, man goes through the ages. We went through the Stone Age, the Iron Age, the Industrial Age. So now we're in this information age. And with all the information that is out there on African history, on who we were, and, I mean, we have some of the most prolific speakers. You get on YouTube and you got, and I'm not going to mention names, you know, but you got all these speakers and they're talking about Kemet and Akibalan and Kushite and the Mobites and stuff like that. What is what is the so we can't say it's a lack of knowledge of self at this particular time? I wouldn't believe. What is one of the things that are hindering us from mobilizing and organizing to? And I know that what well, maybe I'm repeating the same question in a different form. I know he was talking about the strategies of the conqueror over the conquered and things of this nature, but with this influx of information and with us having the ability to reach out at the literally, literally the push of a button to um, bring some awareness to our African identity, why do we still find ourselves um, declining? I'm not even going to say we were in the position we were in in the 1950s and 60s. I was watching a Noam Chomsky. He's a white boy, brothers and sisters, but, you know, he, you know, 
Um, and Noam Chomsky was even talking about that, the people power from the 50s and the 60s and how the so-called American dream promised and even produced upward mobility. Now, in this particular time, with, with um, Africans having the ability to have a knowledge of themselves, we still find ourselves declining, you know what I'm saying, um, and, and regressing communally, let me socially, economically. Please, Brother Wolf. Let, let me jump in on this one first. If you look at, I would say, I would go as far as to say 99% of our so-called scholars out there, how many of those do identify with our building of our infrastructure? You hear us all the time referring to black history from a philosophical concept or from what we, what the greatness we've done, this and that, but you don't actually hear them actually providing information at, uh, in regarding to how it was done. We simply describe it and, and, and mentally masturbate on what was done, but not how it was done. We need to be back in a position where we're teaching infrastructure, teaching concepts of building ourselves up. We actually need to go back and deal with the brick-mortar type of learning style and the brick-mortar type of, hey, this is what needs to be done and this is how you do it. Because we get so caught up in the, the quote-unquote greatness of what was done, but you don't hear people actually providing information on how to do it. It's our infrastructure that needs to be built up. And when you look at other, 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 other cultures, they, they, they are building everything based upon land. Look at blacks in America. Because we've been, again, domesticated and stripped from our identity, we don't identify with land. And when you don't identify with land, you're not going to identify with an infrastructure. You're not going to identify with building up that land. You're going to simply be, and, and I, I go back to say what uh, a brother adequately put it to me is back when I lived in Dallas, a, renter, a renter's mentality. When I rent, and that's my way of life, and that's all I know, and all I know is handout, I'm not going to respect anything because I didn't create it or I don't look at myself as being the creator of it. So that's why that's even why we get what we get in terms of rights. That's why we have burned down our own areas. I won't even say neighborhoods because we didn't build the shit up. But we have burned down our own areas instead of actually going toward the, the real root of the problem. And so our scholars out there are not teaching on infrastructure and building infrastructure. That's not what people are, are learning. They mentally masturbating on what we have achieved in terms of the concept of greatness. Mm-hmm. So we need to go back to dealing with building infrastructure. Those are the type of things we need to get, get down on. Those are the type of things we need to be projecting and promoting. How did we do this? How do we do that? Not just so much, hey, we did this, or we were the greatest at one point in time, you know, the Nile Valley was this and was that. Okay, well, if they were, how did they get defeated? Let's, let's, let's cross-examine things from the point of defeat and move, and move backwards. How did they get defeated, and how did we get back to that position of greatness? We have to be critically, uh, we have to critically analyze how we got in the position we're in, and it's going to take a reversal of that to get us out of that position. And we can't do that when we simply mentally masturbate and just want to be uh, memorization buffs. Screw that. Yeah, right. Yeah, and intellectually masturbate. That's, that's what you see. Like, look at all of the, the great, you know, uh, articulate, charismatic leaders we have out there. You know, uh, Umar Johnson, Sarah Sutton Seti. You know, but they debating each other and arguing and fighting with one another. You know, intellectually masturbating. 
over who did this and Kelly and who did that instead of solving, you know, real problems, you know, a, a school for our children, you know, and, and that's really, you know, I, one, one time I asked ancestors, this is what really a lot of us don't understand. The ancestors is in your genetic DNA makeup. You see what I'm saying? When you go to your, 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 your Hewitt Packer computer that the white man gave you, that you bought from the white man, and you want to pull up something you did on Microsoft Word, it has it's in the, it's in the hard drive, right? Well, you know you. The world is based off of the way the human anatomy is made, so your genetic DNA answers are already within you, if you call on that. And so I asked them, I said, why did we have such a fall? Because we didn't value ourselves, and we really couldn't fathom how evil a people were. When you don't value yourself, you know, it's like you wouldn't give your baby, you know, a $100 bill. Here, baby, go play with this $100 bill. Why? Because that baby's going to put that $100 bill in his mouth. It's going to rip it up. It's going to throw it in the toilet stool. It's not going to value. The, the, that baby does not know the value of a $100 bill. And we as African people were so pure-hearted. We didn't understand that people would take it and manipulate that. And if you look at and you look at all of the the the, the, the annals of history, you look at the Inca, the Maya. I mean, look at the Inca and Maya, which they were part of us. They came from us, and they had beautiful civilization. Here come the conquistadors, came over, and just basically just tore their civilization down and murdered those people because they, you know, came in, let come in, start taking some of their ways, let you know, start accepting them. And, and thinking they had their best interest in mind, they didn't. So it, this is why the, the the very first thing for you to know what you have. Now you got a real pretty woman, man, and, and she's beautiful. You are gonna guard that woman? You gonna walk in? Your chest gonna be puffed up? Baby, go, on, baby, go and put man, put your oh, baby, you showing your breast too much. Put your, put something on and cover yourself up better than that, baby. You know what I'm saying? Now, when you're at home, you want to you know you want you, you, she can show out for you, but you got a, a, a woman of value. They gonna have out there dressed in booty shorts and in in you know on the halter top, you know what I'm saying? And you and you walking and you you got that look on your eye. You got your beautiful woman with you and you holding her hand. And this is my woman. And you look at it, nigga. You would not look at my woman, man, because you know it's a value that you have. You see what I'm saying? You take your money and put it in the bank. You know you got a lot of money in your in, in your in your pocket. You got three four thousand dollars on you. You're going to keep patting your pocket, and you're going to keep saying, make sure it's there, make sure it's there. We don't value ourselves as African people. And, and that's the quickest way related to misuse because you don't know who you are. You think you're nothing. Right, right on. You know? You're listening to Independence Black Talk Radio. I'm your host, Chairman Yang Nkrumah, People's Black Panther Party. We have our National Minister of Culture, Mansa Sanjata Keita Kamada, uh, not only is he the National Minister of Culture, he's also the founding visionary of St. Corey African Society. We're blessed to have our National Chief of Staff on, Brother War. Um, and the brothers are dropping. If you like to comment, come in. If you have questions, I'm sure the brothers wouldn't mind um, answering questions. If you have opinions or just want to share something with us, please press 1. We'll recognize you. Like I'm always stating, brothers and sisters, this is your radio program. It's all about us coming together collectively in a communalist uh, form to put our ideas together and our minds together 
um, like I said, we'll, I'll recognize you, open your mics if you have questions and comments. But to um, go back, I like what, what, what both, of the, both of you brothers were saying, that like you were saying, Mantle Sanjata, we don't value what we have and we don't treat it as precious. And like Chief War was, to echo that sentiment, that we get into this philosophical thing. I don't know why we think that um, just having this knowledge, or having a, a, a understanding of an African history without really understanding how to implement it and how it's applicable to our day and time will free us and liberate us. You know, the only true salvation for the African man and woman over here is separation, is a complete and total separation. And that separation doesn't just start physically. When I say separation, I'm not just talking about us physically up and leaving at this particular time, this moment, this instant up and leaving and going to another place because we've seen it throughout history that when the people do that without a proper identity and a healthy, empowering identity, they only implement more of what their oppressors have put on them. We see it in Africa. We saw it in Algiers. We see it anywhere that revolution has taken place and the people have said, okay, we must overturn the government. But when they don't have a proper understanding of self, then they just implement more tyranny and, and become worse than the oppressor that had placed them under that type of rulership and that type of governing, but that the separation must come from a psychological separation. We must have a, when, when I say physical separation, a separation of health to understand that we have issues that are particular, health issues that are particular to African people. We have to understand, I mean, that we are different. Even if it's only 1.1.11%, as they like to say, oh, the differences are so minute. But those minute differences are, can be super major when other people take them and exploit them. You know, one of, just for like instance, in our community, we have a uh, propensity or we, have, we suffer from uh, hypertension. So we have to look at the salt and things like, you know, those things that we intake in our diet. This is the only way that we're going to be successful is to completely start to separate ourselves from things that cause us detriment and harm. And it's, it's, we don't take it serious enough, brothers and sisters. For whatever reason, we suffer from this sickness that makes us think that we're one and the same or that our oppressor will accept us on, on equal value. And I can understand, I'm not even going to say whatever reason, like Chief War broke it down, man. It's, it's that privilege thing. You know, any animal, when we look at that, any animal will do things that ensure it survives. So if we see other people being successful, then we start to emulate those things that we think will bring us success, whether it's in religion or whether it's just in culture, social cultural phenomena. I can remember when I was coming up on the rap scene, everybody looked at the Italians as being successful. Everybody wanted to be a mobster. You know, you had even the brothers was taking on names like Gambino and, and um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Teflon Don, I forget his name. Uh, Gotti. Uh, uh, Gotti. Yeah, you know, Gotti. We Gotti, John Gotti. Yeah. Yeah, Gotti and Gambinos, and we wanted to be the Don. Now we look at it, we look at the Latin America having such prominence in the culture, in the hip-hop culture and every other culture, that now we got our younger brothers and sisters taking on Latino names. I'm, I'm, I'm from Atlanta, so we got one of the big groups down there. You got three black brothers calling themselves the damn amigos. 
literally. And you had these songs, I'm in love with the coca. I love the, the Colombiana and all of this type of stuff. And speaking this Spanglish, Spanglish is what they call it, broken, broken Spanish. So getting back to a, a healthy identity, separating from these cultures that have never contributed and empowered us as a people, separating ourselves from that is going to be imperative. You know, for us to be um, for us to be successful, and and we're coming in our last uh, twenty minutes, and I see we got listeners in it, so the show must be popping that they're just taking it all in. But you, well, let's let's touch on some of the things. I like what you were saying when you were talking about um, you were talking about the leadership, how we at the People's Party push leadership and building a strong infrastructure. If you could emphasize a little bit more on that, brother. Um, for the for the masses of people out there, then that'd be greatly appreciated. All right, let me just kind of like go into it from the standpoint of one of the first things we deal with in the, in the People's Black Panther Party, and that's when we bring members through through our, our process of 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 becoming of learning Panther ideology. We start off with critical thinking because the first and foremost thing is to is is to be able to. Open your mind up to question everything from the standpoint of what you've been taught from from birth on forward, and it be, and having the ability, an individual coming in in our ranks, how to have the ability to ex- accept the fact that for, for the most part, everything that we've been taught is a lie, and it's, and the process is potentially wrong, and that nothing can be can can be uh, so holy or, or so or, or so. Uh, set in stone that it can be uh, the foundation can be shaken and it can be rebuilt and made better so you come in with from a standpoint of critical thinking accepting and you must accept and it's an internal process that you must accept that you can be better and you must be better because if you are, are putting yourself in a position where you're basically supposed to be the servant of the people first and foremost you have to work on yourself and you have to be willing to accept the fact that there is more that you have to do and hold yourself accountable for being able to be a better and a greater person in terms of your liberation so that you can provide that same concept to your people so that you can reach your people by being the example of a liberated mind, a liberated individual, somebody that is not domesticated and, and, and lives, you know, lives and breeds the concept of, of working toward freedom, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And so we cover that, by dealing with the concept of uh, basically uh, critical thinking. And you have to be a critical thinker because if you're going to be, you know, uh, crystallizing your thought process and, and stuck in the mode of thinking that the world, the world is this rosy environment and that, you know, the things that, that's been projected upon you are, are facts and truths and that your reality is not flawed, then there's no, there's no use for you. And as, as an African people, I have to say the same thing. If we're so crystallized in our thought process to where we can't accept the fact that we've been led down a wrong path for, you know, for generations, then there's nothing you can do with us. And that's one of the things that I, I try to get a, a, the youth involved. In matter of fact, at, at, a, at, at a, a, a breakfast forum I was just at this past Saturday, I tried pulling one of the brothers aside and get him to understand that same thing. He came in a breakfast forum, and his their big his biggest thing was to kind of confront the forum itself for the fact that you know that you, this is a page we need to be on, and we need to be trying to get uh, teach our people this. And I turned around, and I I, I had to go back to the concept of um, of salute. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can hear you, brother. 
So I, I hear a lot of static. Okay, I got to go back to the concept of salute. And what salute is, is is another thing we teach, size, activity, location, unit, time, and equipment. When you go into a situation, you have to evaluate your environment and see if that target audience is the right audience that needs to be hearing that message. If I'm in a room full of, full of elders and I'm dealing with the type of, type of knowledge that the youth need to be having, but yet I'm going to spill it and I'm going to push it on elders, then obviously I ain't thought myself through. I ain't thought my process through. I'm not critically thinking. Because you don't go into that particular battle addressing the wrong audience and expect to get positive results. So just because we know something, going back to what we talked about about mental masturbation, just because we know something don't mean we understand its applications. And that's why I talked about infrastructure. It's a, it's, it's a difference between knowing that our people was great and knowing how our people was great. So we have to get back to the point in the process of dealing with the how did they do this, not just the fact that they did, because I can't sit here and, and pat myself on the back for the fact that I, I am African and I come from a great line of people if I'm not implementing that greatness in my, in my daily life. And the problem is we have to hold ourselves accountable. So all African people that are truly uh, uh, going down the path of liberation, again, our position is to hold ourselves accountable first and foremost. And if I'm going to hold myself accountable for my brother and my sister, then I know if I'm – if I'm not fully astute on a certain process that is going to take in liberation, that I must be a studious person. And going back to talk, the concept of dealing with education, when I talk about education, I don't mean European education. I basically mean any and everything that it takes, and I think from a guerrilla mindset, any and everything that it takes to get myself to a, a liberated position mentally, physically, and spiritually. So I would take all forms of education, being self, being, you know, from the path of being, a, being self-educated because you're not going to get a – preformed curriculum from a European that's going to teach you the process of liberation for an African. There is no curriculum you're going to find for that. So you have to be able to do research, you have to be able to study, and you have to be able to go down a path that are not chartered in terms of trying to find a path to, to get to your greatness. And so that takes critical thinking. That takes being able to evaluate and see situations for what they are versus the reality that we've been fed. So we have to isolate, and a lot of times, going back to what we talked about about separation, it takes isolation from the environment in order to do so. So mm. you as an individual, if you're going down the path of liberation, you have to separate yourself from that environment in order to be able to have a clearer consciousness and a clearer uh, ability to think outside of the box. Because if you are contained in that environment and you stay in that environment, you're going to think like that environment. So you have to separate yourself as an individual just so that you can have free thought. And that's what people have to see. So let's break it down to the individual. If I want to free myself, I have to separate my mind from the environment that's projecting those thoughts and those negativities and those wrong directions on me. So the concept of liberation has to start with self, and that takes critical thinking. So we start with that as the People's Black Panther Party, and then we work ourselves back into the concepts of African history, African politics, communalism. But first and foremost, I have to be a critical thinker, because if I can't critically think, I'm not going to know how to apply the information, the rest of the information that's going to be provided to me. In fact, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about how we've uh, people been in positions to where you know, we freed ourselves, and then we emulated the governments that we call ourselves freeing ourselves from. That's because the 
process of critically thinking and analyzing ourselves and separating ourselves from our condition didn't come prior to that to that 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 act of revolt. And so That's- the act of revolting has to come after I have a process and a concept of what it means to be liberated, which I have to separate myself from as much as possible the environment that's oppressing me. And if you can't physically separate yourself from it, you got to mentally do it. And you run it and, and you run the process down the line. And I would say this, another another one of the flaws that we have is we have to accept the fact and deal with the fact that our oppression is coming in multi levels. That we're being hit in all directions. So our liberation has also come from that same perspective. Multifaceted, multidirectional. We there is there is no singular path to getting where we need to be. We're not two-dimensional beings. We we don't live in a two-dimensional world. So we can't have a tunnel vision, two-dimensional approach to liberation. And again, in order to even see where I'm going with that, you got to have you have to be a critical thinker. So first and foremost is critical thinking. That's right. That's, That's it. Absolutely right. Let's go let's let's go to our phone lines. Let's go. That's absolutely right. All power to the people. That is absolutely right. Let's go to our phone line, 832-5541. Your mic is open. Uh, good evening, Chairman. This is Kim in Texas. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Kim. Hey, how you been? Yeah, I'm good. Long time no here. Um, Absolutely. I'm loving the conversation this evening. Um, I, have to, I have to agree with what has been said. Uh, we are indeed being hit in multi-direction. This is something that they have perfected and they have learned and it keeps us off balance. Um, In the work uh, that I've talked to other people and the things that they've done, something I've noticed, yes, I agree 100% with the critical thinking, the analysis, the synthesis, and the application. I agree with that 100%. But one thing that I am finding that's just the basics of everything um, when I talk to people Something from back in the day, Um, as children, one thing that we did is that we had the ability to dream. We had the ability to and the desire to want to be more. And we had ideas of what we wanted to be when we grew up. We had abstract thinking we had concrete thinking. And I go into that because the abstract thinking is brought to us through the music, through the arts, through culture. The concrete thinking is brought to us through handwriting and, and learning how to build something with our hands. It's, it's more tactile. We are losing out. Um, the African culture, we are a we, us, and our what I notice about the European culture is me, myself, and I. And it's almost like trying to fit a round peg into a square hole, <clears throat> and we are trying to adapt to something we're not. We're not a me, myself, and I. We are dreamers. If we weren't dreamers, those pyramids wouldn't be there. The, 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 the sewer system, the waterways wouldn't be there. The agriculture wouldn't be there. A lot of the inventions that we have wouldn't be here. We are dreamers. We have a passion that cannot be turned off. But what, I think, what I'm seeing is I think white supremacy is learning how to put the flame out. 
And we see, I know for me, I see a lot more of us that just don't, we don't dream anymore. We don't look at each other with a, hey, brother, hey, sister. We don't have that, uh, how do you explain it, that spiritual connection where we could tell by the way he holds his shoulders, even if we've never met him, that that brother needs a hello. Or that sister, the way she is, you know, kind of standing there, we know she needs a hello. We're so disconnected. And Mm -hmm. we have to have that connection to build that trust. That's just a basic of the us, we, ours. And we're going to have to start, um, and I know you've heard me say it before, the mud root level. Later for the grassroot, we got to get in the dirt <laughs> itself right. and, and just, you know, not only build ourselves up, but we have to demonstrate what it looks like, show them exactly as was said earlier, the, the actual process on how we came to be. My fear is that white supremacy is taking away the things that the youth need to dream. If our youth no longer dream, we have a problem. Mm. We have a very bad problem because young black boys, young black girls, they always, you know, they're out there playing, they're having a blast, they're dreaming, they're pretending, role-playing. They're getting along, they're developing social skills, they're understanding the concept of we and us and ours. However, white supremacy has been working very hard to try to convert that to a me, myself, and I. And if they Mm -hmm. succeed, we're going to have even more problems than we have now. And so it's interesting because we try to demonstrate and communicate we, us, and ours Folks are looking at that nowadays and going, oh, that's old school. You know, that has no place today. Um, you know, uh, take that back um, and, and, and don't even bring that forward. We have people who don't know how to teach. Not everybody can yeah. teach. And that's another problem. They can't communicate, mm-hmm. just as was said earlier. You're going to talk to the elder people. If you have a subject, uh, let's say you're talking about red balls. And you're going to talk to an elder person about red balls different than you talk to a child about red balls, than you talk to a teenager about red balls, than you talk to someone who's 30 years old. You have to be able to teach. And very few people can teach. They love the sound of their voice, but they can't teach. And so now we have people who can't teach. They have a lot of knowledge. Um, We have people who don't dream who don't have aspirations, who have basically been told that they are in this world alone, which that is a highly, a a major untruth in the African community. You're never alone. Um, They strip down pretty much everything. So now we have to give everything back. But it has to be in, we we don't have a whole lot of time. We have to take the time to give it back and small spoonfuls, because if you give too much, folks just turn off. They don't want to hear it. It's, I don't, you know, it's just, it's a lot. It's coming from so many directions. And are you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it can be over, and it, and it can be overwhelming. And I think a lot of times, Kim, 
um, you know, and not only is it overwhelming, I think that it's a um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a, it's 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 an indictment. It's an indictment mm. against our lack of what we're not mm-hmm. doing. I think a lot of times us as African people hate to hear because it's something that our national minister of culture said. He said that our ancestry is in our DNA makeup. So it's an indictment Correct. against us for not keeping that connectedness, not, um, you know, not carrying on that tradition of liberation and empowerment for African people. So it's easier to, you know, I'm, you know, when someone makes a mistake or when someone does something wrong, you try to tell them about it, say, ah, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it. I think that mm-hmm. a lot of it is an indictment against us and against our apathy and our lack of. You know, but you you said right. something, and I know you've been listening to the program and heard our national chief mm-hmm. of staff speak on it and our national minister of culture speak on it, but I like your take on it. What do you think some of that, when you were saying to me, myself, and I came in, where do you think, how do you think that they implement it? What are some of the instruments that they use to implement that? And why, um, in this day and time, with all the knowledge that we have, like I said earlier, at our fingertips, why do you think that that frame of thought is still so effective in the African community. Well, I mean, we're we're one of the if the only group of people that when we got here, they made sure that those who had common languages were split up. We were left as me, myself, and I because we weren't allowed to communicate with people that were part of the we, us, and ours. And they okay. ensured that um, it was a I'm not a a Christianer by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a Tower of Babel right here on the soil. They made sure that we could not communicate, um, which causes confusion. Uh, One thing I've learned, you know, over the years of doing work is I liken this to a child. Um, When a child understands safety, the child is okay. If the child wants to try something new, uh, they always look back to see if that safety is going to be there. That If that safety is there, then they will go ahead and step out into the unknown a lot more confident. One thing I notice about children, when you use them, the child becomes irritated, irritable, enraged, unmanageable, the works. And so I liken that to what we see today with our young adults and our youth. They're angry, they're irritable, they're agitated. They don't know which, which is truth and which is not. There's so much being thrown at them and so much being taken from them at the same time, they're not sure. And the worst thing you could ever do to a child is to confuse them because then they give up. And so if they give up, that further enhances I'm in this world by myself, me, myself, and I. We have to stop using not only our children but ourselves. Stop doing that because you mm-hmm. get to the point where you got so much coming in and so much going out that they get so frustrated. You know, I mean, there's times for me as an adult where stuff is just coming at me all the time, and I just get to the point where like, that's it. I'm done. I don't want to hear anything from anybody. I'm going off to my own. Now, we do that. Can you imagine all of this stuff coming at us at, at, at one time as a group of people? 
and then things being taken away from us as a group of people, and there's constant clashing in the community. You take away the jobs, but you give us bad housing, and you don't give us good food to eat, and the worst, you know, schooling, and you know, the, 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 the communities are dirty. You won't come and pick up the garbage. And it just, it, it just keeps piling on to the point where they say, I'm done. I'm frustrated. I'll take care of myself. That's where me, myself, and I start to take a president. And it's well, I, 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 agree with, I agree with our sister, Brother Yang, because, um, yeah. like I was saying earlier, you know, and very good wisdom she's dropping is the fact that, you know, each generation pretty much has to start over. You know what I'm saying, and so you so you constantly stressed on how you're going to feed this capitalist machine. You know how am I going to pay this bill, pay that bill? Well, you really don't enjoy life. You know, uh, you know you you spend 40 years working to retire 40 you know uh, 40 percent of what wasn't enough in the first place for you to make it off of, and then you don't you know you don't leave anything for your children because you know one of the things Kanye West said before he went crazy, started dating white women. He said they made us hate ourselves mm-hmm. and love their wealth. Now, that's a real mm-hmm. deep statement. So, you know, you hate yourself, but you feel good when you ride in a, you know, a Hummer H2 or, you know, a Cadillac or you, you, you feel good. Man, it's Gucci, man. It's Louis Vuitton. It's Versace. You feel, you feel good, you know, uh, you feel good about yourself, you know, because you have something that the white man – Attributes to success. That's why you feel good. You got your white woman, you know, walking your arm. You know, you feel good about yourself because you got Susie with you, Amy. You know what I'm saying? So that's part of the thing that, that we're dealing with. You know, we have to really uh, begin to start pulling our resources, learn how to, you know, work together. You know, learn how to, you know, we all got the individualistic mentality. I watch mm-hmm. our brothers from Africa. They come over here and they get they get a uh, house and. You know, four or five families can live together in peace. There's some, there's some tension sometimes, but they work through it. You know, we we in the house by so I can't live with nobody, man. Oh, can't live with me. And, and, and you don't see where the home ain't no homeless Mexicans. Where, where's the homeless Chinese? Where, 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 where the homeless Koreans at? And 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 the homeless Vietnamese, right? You don't find them because they're not gonna stand for their family to live out in the street. You know, we 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 yeah. Chief, let me come. Yes, I'm sorry, man. This show went on so good. I didn't even keep up with the time. I got 60 seconds left. I have one okay. minute left. Listen, this this uh, conversation is so good. You know, it's Kim. Thank you as always. And I've been yes. looking for you too. I'm glad you came on and joined and shared with us. Always appreciate. As always, Absolutely. we appreciate appreciate everyone that's listening. I want to thank my national chief of staff, brother uh, Robert War. I want to thank my National Minister of Culture, Chief uh, Mansa Sanjata Keita Kumar, and thank everyone that listened in, tuned in, and shared with us. Um, listen, I, I leave you as I greet you as every week, all powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power.
yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gon' body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee I duck, could it be my time is up, with my luck I got up, the cops shot again, bust stop glass burst, a fiend drops his Heineken, ricochet in between the spots that I'm hiding in, blacking out, I shoot back, fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rat, to the death of it, to everybody come on, little niggas is grown, look rats, don't abortion your wound, we need more warriors soon, shit from the star, sun and the moon, and it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers, sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors, if you really think you ready to die, with nines out, this is what nines is about, nigga, the time is bad. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. All I need, all I need is one mic, one mic, All I need, niggas. All I need is one mic, one mic, one mic, one mic. Yeah. All I need.